The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Quick programming note before we join the show. This was recorded before the Josina Anderson report with the quote from the anonymous player talking about the passing game and the whole Jalen Ramsey thing that, that has already been dealt with. So... This show does not address this. However, Kiss and Solak 134 was recorded after that. That'll be released later today, and we will definitely address that nonsense on that show. So, sorry about that, but enjoy the show, and keep an eye out for the next one. Michael Kissed. You caught me not listening again? Benjamin Solak. You never listen! It's the Kissed and Solak Show, presented by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. You are flying high on the Kissed and Solak Show. This is episode 133, brought to you by the fine folk at SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I am your host, Michael Kist. Follow me on Twitter at Michael Kist NFL. That's K-I-S-T. As always, joined by the best doggone co-host in the game, Mr. Nine Year Streak Without a Bad Day. He is Benjamin Solak. Follow him on Twitter at Benjamin Solak. That's S-O-L-A-K. Ben, Dallas Week. Let's do the things. Do it. Let's do it. How you doing? Ah, uh, good old Goddard week. There's nothing better. <laughs> How you doing, brother? I'm well, man. Everything is delicious. Thank you for asking. And indeed, and this is cool. Like, it's cool. Dallas is interesting. You know, like, like Dallas and Philadelphia both taking pretty weird routes to get to where they are right now, which is both three and three in a huge divisional matchup. The Dallas Cowboys offense, probably the most interesting study through the first six, seven weeks of the season in terms of being really good and then being not as really good. And so I think we're, I mean, like it's Sunday night game. There's going to be a lot of eyes on it. I think it's a really fun matchup to to look at, to prepare for. Yeah. And what we're going to be doing today, we're going to be covering that matchup and we're still waiting on some injury reports. We're kind of doing a doubleheader recording here, full disclosure. So we're going to be doing the Dallas offense against the Philadelphia Eagles defense on this show. On the KNS 134, we'll flip sides. We'll do the Eagles offense against the Dallas Cowboys defense. And then we'll kind of dig into more of the injury report as we get that Thursday. It should drop like any minute now. But of course, we'll talk about some players that might be in or out for the Cowboys. Some of them might be game time decisions, but we'll talk about that as well. But man, let's dig in to this matchup because there is a lot to talk about. Like you said, very interesting for the Cowboys. And you look at this Cowboys offense, the reason why it's interesting, they still rank, which is so weird to me, but they still rank second in Football Outsiders DVOA. And I'd say that's in part because they faced the 31st ranked combined DVOA defenses. And because it's early in the season, Football Outsiders nerfs their opponent adjustments within the metric. So there's some context behind that. They're definitely not performing like the number two. Also, we need to take a moment to discuss the fact that the... uh 
early season adjustment rankings are called Dave. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. <laughs> Which I think is amazing. Yeah. So, I mean, look, there's obviously been a fall off with their production. First three weeks in the three wins, they averaged 32.3 points per game. Next three weeks in the three losses, it drops to 18.7 points per game. Their touchdown drive frequency is down 46% to 19%. Their turnover That's drive big. frequency is down, or excuse me, is up. 7.1 to 19%. So in the last three weeks, they have had as many turnover drives as they have had touchdown drives, which is not optimal for an offense. The ground game went from 5.5 yards per carry to 3.9, despite them leaning even heavier on the ground game. Red zone touchdown production drops from 82% to 44%. Money down conversions, 42%, 29%. Passing success rates are down 60% to 51%. Yards per attempt are down 9.8 to 8.2. Pressure rates are up 21% to 44%. They saw an uptick in drops too. For example, weeks one to three, Carson Wentz had the most drop balls at 10. Weeks four to six, Dak Prescott leads the league with 10. Combined, Philadelphia has 17 on the season. That's first. Dallas has 16 on the season. That's second. And for my money, the offensive struggles for Dallas is in no way fully on Dak's shoulders. You watch the Jets game, and look, that wasn't Dak's best game. And I talked about this on the QB Sco Show with Mark Schofield, but he had some placement issues throughout. But he also made some darn good throws while being the most pressured quarterback in the league in Week 6 at 55%. He hung tough. It's a big deal. Yeah, stood in there. And I think that's the one thing with Dak I don't think you can question is, is his toughness. Absolutely. But the offensive problems aren't all on him, at least in terms of the magnitude, because the entire offensive line watching this line outside of Zach Martin is on the struggle bus. Travis Frederick is back, but he's not the same. Nobody can catch. Amari has struggled in that regard, despite his dynamic production. Gallup had three drops against the Jets, has six on the season. He hasn't been able to catch anything despite his flashes. As I noted before, the run game has fallen off considerably, probably due to overutilizing it in disadvantageous situations. Amen. Third and 10 runs. Right, yeah. Someone please explain. Yep, and they shift to a, a 50-50 run-pass ratio team on early downs in the first half over the last three weeks to the chagrin of many smart people in Dallas media that have pointed it out ad nauseum because it's got to be frustrating. And, and and the weird thing with this Dallas offense, I, I, I think the, the fix is very simple, and Schofield agreed with me on this. From weeks one to three, they were second in play action at 39%. It's anywhere from like 16 to 17%. I've seen it from weeks four to six. That's 30th in the league or 29th, depending on which site that you're using. I would expect that to change against the Eagles, mm -hmm. considering what we saw with Kirk Cousins, because one way to slow down the Eagles pass rush is to move the launch point and just to move away from it. Give them, give the defensive line something to think about, something to attack first, and then move your quarterback out of the way. And when Dak's on the move, that's a strength of his. If the Cowboys want to get back to the identity that they had weeks one through three, this has to be the week for them in a game that's for the division lead. Look, I mean, other than that, when you look at this offense, they're still using formation shifts. They're still using motion, all things you do to force coverage checks and give your quarterback pre-snap information regarding man versus zone and matchups. And if I had to guess, the Eagles are a bit of an open book on the checks that they can get forced into. And as we all know, they're slapped bad at them. The communication and the execution thereafter is severely lacking in the secondary. That's how Dallas can catch the Eagles off guard. And they're going to need it badly. If, Amer if Amari can't go, and it might not be apparent right away with the shot plays maybe coming later in the game. But I mean, in round one, 
to use like boxing terms, they might jab and circle and get their timing down and use some shifts to see what checks the Eagles are going to do. But next thing you know, as the rounds go by, they start humming some humdingers in there, some haymakers on you. And next thing you know, your butt's on the canvas. And I have serious doubts about whether or not this Eagles defense can recover from that if they start getting right. you know deep shots on them. Because as Jenkins pointed out, this game ain't for suckers. And right now, the Eagles cornerbacks are not playing with a whole lot of confidence. Ben, what are your thoughts? All right, Jalen Mills comes back. We're not going to be lacking for confidence. <laughs> we might still be getting burned, but he'll... We might, we might still be lacking for good plays, but we will not be lacking for confidence, my good man. Absolutely. There's a lot. Like I said, this is layered. This is nuanced. There's a lot that goes into it. So I want to start... Yeah, like, let's talk. Like, I, you know, we talked a little bit about can we get back to the identity, right? Dallas is a, was a number two in the league in terms of explosive passing plays right now, generating them on 14% of their passing attempts. That's second only to Minnesota, as a matter of fact. So <laughs> Eagles probably helped with that number a little yeah. bit. But this is a team that's able to, to, yeah, push the ball down the field. I think the really interesting and fun thing about the, the Kellen Moore offense and the route concept specifically is that Moore wants to flood downfield zones. Mm. That's, that, that's, that's a cojones coordinator right there. You know what I mean? Like, if that's what you're orienting to do, you're, you're trying to, you know, go out there, score some points, you know, sling the pill around the yard a little bit. You know, we might want to say it that way. Moore is oriented on getting multiple breakers 10 plus, 15 plus yards down the field. And it's a really cool thing to see. We talk about window throws. We're talking about throwing to the intermediate levels of the field. I think something that Prescott's been really strong at this year, whether inside or outside of the numbers. Window throws, you know, typically we're, we're looking to widen and draw down, attract, confuse linebackers to put them in predictable spots with underneath route concepts and then throw it over the top or between them to hit intermediate windows. And like I said, multiple breakers were flooding downfield zones. What I like about what Dallas does is that they give you a first look in an area of the field, and then they give you a second look entering that area of the field. So you see smash divide concepts, you see Haas wide juke, you see all outs, you see four verticals, things that are going to allow Prescott to read half of a field Mm. with multiple receivers in that area. Now, the thing about this is that, number one, you need really good route runners, and they've got it when Amari Cooper, Randall Cobb, and Michael Gallup are on the field. They might have none of those guys, Mike. Crazy. They might have, which is is a huge deal for that offense because Cedric Wilson... (laughs) Tavon Austin and Noah Brown is a little bit of a different profile in terms of the receivers you got to do. You saw what happened now, in the Jets game. And if I can just throw some stats at you real quick. Please, please, please. When, when Amari Cooper is off the field, their run success rate goes down 17% this year. This is all via the Quant Edge, by the way. Love those guys. They have this injury impact tool that you can use. It's fantastic. So run success rate with Amari off the field down 14%. They're actually 16%. Wow. Pass success rate is down 5%. Good reading, you idiot. Their explosive pass percent <laughs> is down 8%. Their sack percent's down. Their yards per carry is down from 5.3 to 3.9. Their yards per pass, pass attempt are down from 104 to 6.7 10.4 when he's on the field 6.7 when he's off the field that is for what's that massive that's yards per attempt oh that's not kind of important (laughs) (laughs) so no my cooper is on the field their offense just gets four yards further down the field right so cooper who did not practice uh this is as of thursday did not practice on wednesday randall cobb who did not practice on wednesday michael gallup who was limited on wednesday so there we are Uh, noah brown is on the pup list so it's Tavon Austin, Cedric Wilson. Ugh. Tavon Austin took 93% of the snaps against the Jets, Mike. Outside reps. Did, when was the last time he did that? It's not, <laughs> and a <it's> problem. <laughs> and, that's, and, and, and listen, like when the Eagles were starting Craig James, this is what the equivalent is on the wide receiver size when you're starting Tavon Austin, Cedric <laughs> Wilson. You know what I mean? So, Good matchup. Okay, so you yeah. need 
right? So you need multiple guys who can run layered breaking routes, multi-break routes, we would call them, down the field. Okay, so cool. The other thing you need is long pass protection. You need the quarterback to spend time in the pocket, and he needs to have the ability to, like, his first read may not develop until that 2.5 second mark, right, that we always, like, talk about. And that's his first read not developing at that time. Well, if if, if he's working to his second read, now we're reaching three seconds. So this is a long time potentially sitting in the pocket, right? And so what the Cowboys do, and I think this is a really important and generally underrated aspect of their offense in terms of how it's designed and how the 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 team flows kellen moore does not run a spread he doesn't run a spread offense it's not it's not and and we we like to call spread offense we like to take every like you know innovative offense and call it a spread offense it's not a spread offense other than when they run all curls but yeah right yeah which like yeah they'll i mean they'll run a quick right 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 but to me it's not spread i agree i agree because they give you regular 12 and 13 personnel looks and even if they're going in 11 or 12, they'll take Randall Cobb and they'll put him in a H-back. They'll put him in a sniffer. They, the Eagles do this with Alshon Jeffrey and Nelson Aguilar, right? They're regularly giving you what I would call large surfaces. They're giving you a, a, a very big look in the front in terms of the, the real estate that that offense is, that offensive line is, is, is covering, is presenting. So we got two inline tight ends. We got three inline tight ends. Name of God, the third tight end is Dalton Schultz and they're trying to get this dude on the field, which... <laughs> Different conversation, but so, so 13 personnel looks. We got a fullback who will bring in, Jamise Oluwale. We'll bring him in, and now we're in 22 personnel. Now we're in 21 personnel. They give you, and then a lot, with a lot of this pre-snap motion, this horizontal look, we're again widening your defense, the, the, the surface of the offensive line, stretching out your defense just in that area, in your defensive line, your front four have to cover a lot of real estate, right? So now this wide surface, what does this do? It allows the tackles to be really aggressive. I'd be surprised if there's a team in the league who's short-setting and jump-setting as much as the Cowboys were, especially early in the season when they were healthy. Week one, week two, week three, when you still had guys like, uh, uh, what's his name, Teron Smith, who was still active and he was still playing, right? They've now lost some of these starting offensive tackles to the starting offensive tackles to injury. Accordingly, when they go to these jump sets, which they're continued to do in week four, week five, especially against the Packers, week six against the Jets, they were struggling in pass protection when these tackles were asked to short set, when you were asking Cameron Fleming to jump set. It's not what Cameron Fleming is good at. It's a big weakness. You know, you, you, you're asking him to be very aggressive and to come right at offensive, right at defensive ends who are going to now have two-way goes on him if they can work back inside. If he doesn't land his initial punch, it's a quick win, and then it's a quick pressure. Zadarius Smith was just walking this dude back, just taking his chest and putting him in Jack Prescott's lap regularly, regularly, regularly. Freaking Kyle Phillips, dominant. Whoever 48 is for the Jets, I don't even know his name. Great game. Because they're getting all these really short sets in empty protections, and they're not, Cowboys are not slide protecting. They're not, they're not, they're not going to, or leave running backs into chip. They use this really wide surface with these jump sets. Yep. And when you've got seven guys on the line of scrimmage, cool. Dak Prescott is seventh highest in the league in times to throw per next gen stats. He's at 2.84 seconds time to throw among guys like Marcus Mariota, Daniel Jones, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Baker Mayfield. So great company. That's what, Josh it's, Allen. It's going to get a lot worse if, if Cooper continues to not be on the field. So this is what you need to run to, to flood these downfield zones. You need to give your quarterback time in the pocket for the receivers to get there. With these backup linemen, it's not working. Yeah. 
It's not working. But the running game is predicated on this. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Cowboys are, are 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 they run two concepts. They run inside zone and duo, which is, you know, we call it power without a polar. It looks a lot like inside zone at times. They run inside zone and duo. Now they'll pin pull. They want to get a guy to the outside and they'll sweep. They they pepper in stuff. But primarily this is you know, we want to go two tight end nub and we want to run inside zone to that side. We want to go two tight end nub and we want to do away from it. They're struggling with it. Yeah. And that's what, and, and listen, that's what they give Elliot. And the last three weeks, especially after the Teron Smith injury, I mean, Elliot originally from a snap count perspective for the Cowboys, week one snapped 54%, then 76%, then 67%. Tony Pollard was at 32%, 24%, and 32%. And then week four hit. And Pollard dropped to 3%, 7%, and 9%. These numbers via football guys. Elliott went up to 97, 93, and 91. (laughs) In week four, which by the way is when they started losing, there was a concerted effort to feed Elliott more. And the running game got plainer accordingly. They stopped doing the creative stuff in the backfield with Pollard. They lost the Austin jet sweep stuff because now Austin's got to be out there running actual routes down the field because you got injured at wide receiver. And like, I get like this, how this all kind of tumbles. You know what I mean? But... They lost Pollard in the backfield to put Elliott in the backfield, and the running game is vanilla. And it's and, and they need I, I they really don't need it. You can run inside zone with five offensive linemen, but the way that they want to do it is with these two tight end sets, with these fullback sets, with these large boxes and these heavy number surfaces. Accordingly, and I think it's what you saw against the Jets in the first half when they look to go to the quick game. You brought up all curls when they look to go empty and they just run slants, they run curls, and they run outs. It's not a good offense. Right, I agree. It's not a good passing offense. Yeah. And Prescott does, is not great at, at the at good placement in tight windows in the short game. It's not his strength. You saw it against the Jets. There's a smattering of bad placement throws, yeah. Yeah, and, 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 and you know, they turn into turnovers. You know, bad mess to Amari Cooper. Yep. Turns into a turnover. Mm-hmm. And, like, yeah, it's Cooper drop. It's also behind him. You know, and, like, this is the thing that, you know, if, if Carson did that, we would all say it's a drop, but Carson's got to put a better ball on him so we can say it about that. You know what I mean? So the, all, all this going to say when we – characterize the Cowboys offense what gets harped on is play action stack sets and pre pre-snap motion and these are all important and these have been talked about before we've discussed them okay but I think what what when I when I try to find the thread between a good offense in week three and a bad offense through the next three weeks what I see is 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 offensive line issues leading to the protection theory the the philosophy behind how they're going to pass protect how their run to play action game works is leading towards quick pressures and is not allowing them to execute their downfield passing game. That is what I would categorize as the biggest issue right now for Dallas. That is not going away when you're not starting Teron Smith against the Eagles. Yeah. When you're not starting Lyle Collins against the Eagles. When Zach Martin is limited in practice, I think he had like a, he was like a, he was like you know um, whatever uh, uh, like personal reasons or whatever. But still, no Collins, no Teron Smith, no Cooper. I mean, these are, again, these are the shakers and the movers of your offense here. Now, what I will say is, against those jump sets, you do need to be able to have guys who can corner and win outside, right? Inside counters will work, but against jump sets, you have to have guys who win with explosiveness. That's not Philly's MO. Brandon Graham, Derek Barnett, your starting edges. Mm. It's not how they win. Might be Josh Sweat game. Ooh. Oh, oh. <laughs> Go Ben. Very exciting. It'd be nice to see Sweat. Sweat should be able to win against jump setters. He has a profile to do so. He's long and he's quick. Absolutely. Um, so we'll see. But either way, this is, a, this, is this is how I understand the Cowboys offense as it is. What they're going to do, you know, in, in terms of 
working around is like we talked about the quick game and I, you know they're still gonna have i regardless of who starts they're gonna have receivers who win one-on-one against eagles corners unless darby <laughs> and mills are both back right they're gonna have one-on-one wins they're going to be able to get their deep shots down the field but it's not going to be nearly as consistent as it was for them in the first three weeks of the season i think it's because the offensive line injuries you, you don't think they're just going to go heavy play action and take advantage of the fact that nobody stuffs the box statistically more than jim schwartz to sell out to to stop the run my big concern is that because schwartz is likely going to be starting what kamugu j hill nate gary and tj edwards linebacker mm. that he's going to go nine guys in the box <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, he's going to have such such a bad linebacker room. Andrew Sandeo is about to take 100% of the snaps in this game. You can't possibly. I mean, you can. Maybe the, maybe the phrasing there is, how do you stuff the box more than what Jim Schwartz is doing right now? And if he uses that rationale because of the linebacking group, I'll lose my mind. Because they're going to continue to be disconnected from the second level of coverage to the third level of coverage. They're going to be continue to be disconnected from the flat routes to the bail techniques that they have on the outside. And they're going to continue to struggle no matter who the wide receivers are. Because you're just giving them gigantic, gigantic amounts of space. And with Ezekiel Elliott there, you're thinking, oh yeah, Schwartz is going to load this puppy up. Elliott's going to have 2.7 yards per carry. It's going to be a win all around, and Dak's going to throw for 350 yards. <laughs> like, I just, right. it just, it's so frustrating. There's man. no, there's no game in the foreseeable future <laughs> in which there's not a chance the Eagles just like give up 40 through the air, <laughs> right. right? We have to accept that as a reality. Yeah. We're living on the knife's edge of that at all times. <laughs> Maybe, you know, Mills and Darby comes back, and Darby's actually healthy and is better, and Mills is good or something and yeah there we go you know what i mean the the whole problem is solved but it's not likely um so yes that's there what i would argue is the cowboys really don't run too many what you know what i call the you know the vertical third routes you know they really don't run too many isolation routes especially without cooper i mean without once cooper was gone against the jets they need unless it's hitches and outs Mm -hmm. they're not running a ton of just straight nines down the field. They're not running a ton of double moves. You know, the stuff that Kills Diggs and, and, and Thielen murdered Philadelphia on. The things that Julio and Calvin and Justin Hardy <laughs> murdered <laughs> yeah. Philadelphia on, right? Yep. This, that, that's 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 not what Moore likes to do. And I'm impressed by what Moore does in terms of working, de- you know, deep, like I talked about, flooding in deep zones with deep digs and with deep overs, so on and so forth. But these take time and they're not, re- they're like, the Eagles should Oh my god, I can't believe I'm saying this. Oh boy, this. here we go. The Eagles should be able to sit and cover three against a lot of the stuff and be able to defend it like decently well. They really should. They, 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 they should. really should. And and here's the thing. Schwartz doesn't care about yards. He doesn't care about giving up a five to six yard reception. It's very clear by the way he deploys his defense. You can hit a curl right. any day of the week. Why does he care so much about giving up four yards per carry on the ground? What? Where the explosive plays come from the, from the passing game, not for the running game? Are you kidding me? Just, I mean, like, I'd, I'm obsessing. It would be this. very interesting. It'd be very interesting. Like, like if you could choose between giving up a six-yard pass or a four-yard run, which would you choose? Asking him that, right? Because defensively, it looks like he'd prefer giving up six yards pass versus a four-yard run. To wit, the next question is: Are you aware that six is more than four? But somebody in Philadelphia media that goes to the press conferences ask that yes. man that question and throw throw the box numbers. Oh, at well, him. firstly, Schwartz is gonna kill him from the podium if they ask that. But yeah. Right. I say they should be able to sit and cover three. Yep. Why? Well, because the Eagles, and it's something that, that we've gone over before, they like to drop a safety into that intermediate zone. They like to have a rat in that area. 
um, which they're going to want to do because they're going to want to be loading the box. They're going to want to have Jenkins playing down as a linebacker in large part because of the linebacker issues, but also, as we've said, because the, the, the Cowboys are going to go with two tight end looks. They're going to get Jason Witten and Blake Jarman on the field, and they're going to want to put Malcolm Jenkins over those guys. When this occurs, the, the Eagles, with that deep middle of the field safety, have regularly been asking him to drop down, right, and be a whole defender and run this inverted cover too. That should make sense against the Cowboys because the Cowboys are not running deep posts. They're not running flags. They're not running nines. It's not like, you know, and then with, with and the I exception this, of Kellen Moore, Petty God running the same concept, the Yankee concept sure. with the extra shallow crosser against Washington is the same play that Washington ran against the Eagles in week one for a touchdown. I put that up on Twitter if you want to see it. Sure. Well, yeah, absolutely. But I think like once you lose Cooper, you lose that player. For sure, yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? And so now it's, it's I feel like you should be able to run that coverage with some decent success against the Cowboys base concepts. Again, a coverage that Mike and I have reviled, but this seems like a spot where it could actually bring some success. So that's tremendous. You can be able to take away the intermediate passing game, and that's what the Cowboys want to do. Cool. I brought it now. I, I do want to talk about Jenkins down in the box, looking at eight-man boxes. If the Eagles are going three linebackers, they're starting a rookie undrafted free agent out of Wisconsin and TJ Edwards, and he probably won't even be the liability because Nate Gary is also going to be out on the field. So this is a nightmare situation. Do you think against 12 that you're going to go big, big nickel and basically make Jenkins a linebacker? I mean, you should. Sure. Well, I mean, <laughs> yeah, against 12, you should be going big dime. You want Sendejo or Edwards on the field first? I want Sendejo. Good point. Yeah. So you go three corners and three, three safeties against 12. Mm. Sendejo can be a linebacker in my opinion now could you get beat up by a powerful running game on that yes should that be okay yeah will that be okay no because six is more than four we've been over this yes and the problem is i think that if they start losing to elliot early then they're going to want to keep going heavy and they're going to get edwards and gary in there and then it's going to be the jason Witten game Witten's going to get 12 targets 10 catches 85 yards and a touchdown because right. they're not going to have anybody who can go over yeah and if they if they incorporate Tony Pollard, which they haven't been, good night because the Eagles have no linebacker who can handle Tony Pollard as a receiver. And they're bad against twenty one personnel this this season so far. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So all of this now, you know, like linebacker alignment against tight ends, who's going to take who, what, so on and so forth. The other thing the Eagles have to look into, and this is really interesting with Bradham out because when they put a linebacker in the A gap, they typically like to do it with Bradham. Jets, Packers, uh, and what's the, whoever the heck the Giants, not the Giants, who did the Cowboys play in week four? Uh, Saints. Yeah, Saints. All found success. Remember when we talked about the Atlanta reduced front that they gave week two? Oh, they gave it week one against Minnesota and then ran it week two against Philadelphia. We talked about three defensive tackles in between the tackles. Yes. Nose guard, three tech, and a three tech. Mm-hmm. Nose guard, four eye tech, and a four eye tech. Saints, Packers, and Jets have all put that there against the inside zone looks, no against the heavy looks. You get five lot defensive lineman on the line of scrimmage against nub sets or against you know uh tight ends each on one side of the formation and they've been very successful at stopping the inside run game with that mm-hmm. very successful mm-hmm. philadelphia does not like doing that they gotta look into it. i've seen them do it once you or twice we saw it once or twice on film and we're like whoa what's this wrinkle right <laughs> but you can't like if you in this thing you know frustrations with the coaching staff if you watch the saints and then especially the packers and the jets pull it out with success and you just don't incorporate it i mean pfft, come on you know what i mean like the, come on yeah this the, you know, the cowboys offense film. <laughs> right and yeah. the running game has struggled the past three weeks in large part when it's facing these these tighter interior fronts also it gives you the added advantage of putting an extra defensive lineman on the field which means you get to take a linebacker off and you're missing four linebackers you cut zach brown and Nigel brown's probably not going to play 
So instead of putting TJ Edwards on the field, Hassan Ridgeway at the zero, Fletch at the three, Brandon Graham slash Vinny Curry slash Josh Sweat at the other three. I know he might get pulled off by Zach Martin. Yes, it's going to suck. <laughs> but then you, two edges, you get five defensive linemen on. And if you really don't want to do that, put Camus on the line. Camus is a good online Sam linebacker. It's one of his strengths. It's not what Philly likes to do with him, but it's something he's been done with success before. Get five guys on the line of scrimmage. If the Cowboys are going to widen the surface, they're going to give you seven bodies on the line, respond with a wide surface. Put five bodies on. This will help you stay heavy in the box without pulling all your safeties on or putting three linebackers on the field. Because you do not want to put three linebackers on the field. You do not have good linebackers. Yeah. Why put three of them on when you can put two and you only have two bad players on? So, you know, so this, I, I would love, love, love to see Philadelphia. When you, re, you want to respond to those two tight end nub sets with, with, with a seven and a five, nah. I mean, like with a nine and a five, and then you really want to put a safety on the line of scrimmage in the D gap is what you want to do. And then, in, in, and so you give a very physical gap oriented surface to runs that would go that direction. And then the Cowboys are going to try to run B gap inside zone off of that. And they're going to run a Fletcher Cox versus Zach Martin. And then you need your hundred million dollar man to beat their hundred million dollar man. You know, this is football. It's going to come down to Jimmy's and Joe's. The point here being the Eagles are going to load the box, but if they do it, it, like if, if they're doing it with Nate Gary and TJ Edwards, instead of getting their deep defensive line onto the field, it's fundamentally misunderstanding the ways in which you can handle big box numbers. I think it's important for the Eagles to consider getting five down linemen on the field. It's not what Schwartz typically does, but they have to consider it. We've seen Schwartz take examples from film before when it works for multiple weeks for other opponents. We saw it against the Rams last year and incorporate it with success. Does he do it this week? We don't know. We're going to find out. Seeing how this year is going so far, I just, I kind of doubt it. Let us pray. (laughs) Let Let us pray. All right, when we come back here, on the Kist and Solak show, we're going to talk about some predictions for this game. That's coming up next. We'll be right back. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. We are back here on the Kist and Solak Show, episode 133. Michael Kist here with Benjamin Solak. Ben, so we kind of covered a lot of the different aspects of this game, passing game, running game, pass rush, all that stuff, the matchups therein, what we think Jim Schwartz could do. Let's go to the, the odds here from... DraftKings Sportsbook. Right now, the Philadelphia Eagles are underdogs by two and a half points. The over-under is set at 49, which, let me see here, 26-23? Do we want to call it that? That sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah, 26-23, which means, and we'll get to final predictions on the next show when we flip sides and do all the injury report and everything like that, but final prediction for the Cowboys. It's so dependent on Cooper. So do you think they score over 26 with Cooper? And without? Yes. Both? 
You're asking me. Listen. That's interesting. You're asking me to be, you're asking me to believe in this Eagles defense. Is that what you're asking me right now? I, 38 points, Kirk Cousins. Yeah, I mean, but brother, I mean, you, you look at you look at what the Cowboys have been without Cooper, and I think it's weakness versus weakness. I mean, I re, I really do. So I think it, I think that's more right. of a of a crapshoot. I agree with you. I have zero faith in this defense, as as I think I've just demonstrated throughout this entire week talking about this defense. If you, I'll put it to you this way: if you wipe the Jets game off. The Eagles have given up 27, 24, 27, 27, and 30. It's a good point. It's a good point. So. I think if the Cowboys get back to their identity with running a a good amount of play action and not being such a run-heavy team like they weren't in in the first three weeks in neutral situations on early downs, I absolutely think they, they can take this defense to task. So, yeah, I do have a hard time not saying that they won't hit the... Here, here's here's how I put it to RJ Ochoa when I was on Blogging the Boys on their podcast network, part of the SB Nation family. If Cooper goes for over 100 with a touchdown, he's healthy. I see, I see no reason why the Cowboys can't have very good offensive success against the, the Eagles. Without Cooper, that picture is a bit more muddied. Without play action, mm-hmm. I think this pass rush can absolutely get after Dak and force some mistakes. It's hard for me. I'm going to go over. <laughs> right. God. I mean, I'll put it like, here's the thing. Because <laughs> I'm just going to assume Cooper's going to play and I'm going to I'm gonna say they're going to go over. That'll, that'll, be my, that'll be my out. Go ahead. Right. Again, if you wipe the Jets game, which they're playing Luke Falk, who the Jets proceeded to cut after Sam Donald came back. So like, right. If you wipe the Jets game, the Eagles have not yet played a team where they've get, they've, they've not yet played a team and not given up a 100 yard receiving game to a receiver outside receivers right now. And this is uh Graham Barfield, who is a, a NFL fantasy guy. Oh. And so this is put within the framework of, mm. of PPR points, but Graham Barfield tweeted this out last week. No team is giving up more fantasy points per game PPR to outside aligned wide receivers than the Philadelphia Eagles. Yep, 31.54. PPR points per game to the wide receivers who are lined up outside. And it's a carryover from the DVOA from, from last year that football outsiders put out there. They were, they were terrible. They were, 20, they were 27th against receivers outside in DVOA and have the hey. second highest volume. See? Right. I literally just was just pulling that stat. <laughs> uh, 27th and then the second highest volume outside receivers. So, like, yeah, if Cooper's back, he's going for a hundo. <laughs> Book it. Even if he's not, you know. So. Do, you, do you have faith that Jim Schwartz will sacrifice run defense no. to lock up Coop. Yeah, no, I don't either. I don't either. And that's the problem. That's 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 right. my problem. So, yeah. Eagles are going to try to take away Ezekiel Elliott. That's going to be their goal. Jesus. That's going to be priority one coming into the game is taking away Ezekiel Elliott. Just shoot me in the face. With, <laughs> yeah, with the, I will gladly. The, yeah, anyway. All right. It's <laughs> no bueno. Uh, so, yes. So, that I'm I'm over. And I'll, I'll be over until there's a reason otherwise. What I will say... Actually, no, I'm going to hold this for the end of the show when we give our full predictions. Okay. Teaser. And and just Podcast. and just so you know, just an update on the current information that we have. We don't have the – I haven't seen the, the Thursday report yet, but I did see that Tyron Smith and Lyle Collins were getting individual work mm. on Thursday. So that's of note. If they play, that is massive. Even if just one of them plays, that's massive for the offense. So I'm kind of thinking Tyron Correct. Smith plays, which – if there is a player that comes off an offense that has a bigger impact than, than Tyron Smith, maybe it's Amari right. Cooper, like in the entire league. So there's that. All right, Ben, that's going to do it for this show. Would you say goodbye to the gentle listeners? Ben's over here <sighs> yawning because I'm so Sorry, I was boring you well as XNO talk. Hey, thanks for listening to the show, guys. <laughs> uh, thank you as always. Uh, you know Seamus? 
He works for us? <laughs> I've heard of him, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Seamus hit me up the other day and asked me if I did forensics in high school because, right, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find a DM. Because the kids who did forensics in high school had to talk super fast. Mm. And he's always impressed at the end of the show where I do the roundup and I talk as fast as possible. Yeah. So. It's not it's not just medical talk. I have sales experience. And in sales, when you're trying to sell something, you talk super, super fast and just say, okay, See? at the end. <laughs> that's that's yeah, it. Yeah, because here's the thing. So people people like, oh, like, you know, did you do this? Did you do that? No. There's one very easy answer for why I speak this quickly. Squirrely. And if you met my mother, you would know. Anyway, <laughs> the great mosh. All right. For Seamus. Yeah. For Seamus. Thank you as always for listening to the Kissed and Soul Life Show here on BGN Radio. We do appreciate you swinging by. As always, if you enjoyed the show, please go ahead, rate, review, and subscribe on whatever app you listen to your podcast. Of course, only five-star ratings will be accepted by the system. He's been Michael Kissed on Twitter, at Michael Kissed NFL. It's KSTF and Benjamin Solak on Twitter, at Benjamin Solak. That's S-O-L-A-K. Tomorrow, we will give you the Eagles defense against the Cowboys. No, 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 Eagles offense against the Cowboys defense, because this was the Eagles defense against the Cowboys offense. Thank you so much for listening. We love you. Best friends. Goodbye. We all we got. We all we need. Fly, Eagles, fly. I love that you caught that. That trips me up all the time. Yeah. I can't imagine that. Yeah, and I, I got like 12 no's. Yeah. <laughs> it was good. P-G-N. <laughs>